I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And we're here for a quick little update on just some tidbits and and goings-ons. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been about four or five months since we last recorded, but we have, by the time this episode comes out, we have a new movie coming out this year. Oh, my word. How long have you waited to say that? My whole life. Your whole life, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, your whole life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And And this one has the blessing of Brian Herbert. That's right. The blessing of Brian Herbert. But then the last ones have the blessing of Frank Herbert, too, so. Well, yeah. Let's uh, talk about it. Hodorowski's Dune had the blessing of Frank. True. True. (laughs) Yes, the greatest Dune movie that never got made. That's right. By the guy by the guy who never read the book. (laughs) Well, it's always best when making a movie not to have read the source material. Right, that's what I say. Because going fresh. How can you uh, disappoint fans? I mean, come on. Um well, uh, I can cite precedent for that. <laughs> well, yes, uh, I'm sure. J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams, Star Trek movies. There's people that swear he never saw an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, we know that's not that true. That can't be true. It's not true, because I've heard him speak a TED Talk where like, he grew up in Star Trek, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, well, he also said that, that Khan wasn't going to be Khan. Well, yeah, but that was misdirection. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a it lie. Was, it was. It was. No, it, was just, it was. The that story came out of the bag about a year ahead of the movie, and he was like, "No, nah, no, nah, is not in the movie, right?" It's like, "Yeah, no, Ray's <laughs> not going to be a Skywalker." Well, what is she at the end? She continues what? the lineage. Hey, sorry if you didn't see Rise of Skywalker. I'm spoiling it for you right now. So. <laughs> she ends up being a Skywalker. She ends up being Baby Yoda. She she, she does yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yoda, do, 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 Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some Dune news. I don't want to hear us talk about Baby Yoda. Yeah, let's hear some Dune. What, Dune do, you, what do you got for us? So uh, four stories we're going to talk about, and then Jim's going to give us a quick review of the Dune game because he Ooh. actually played it. I opened mine. That's about as far as I got. So, And you didn't even pick it up, David, I, mean, I don't, don't want to hear anything from you. But, <laughs> oh, <the> <laughs> <finger>. <laughs> um, but um, so... Uh, a couple stories, two from some actors that are in it, and then uh, some predictions about how this movie is going to do this year. And we're going to just uh, kind of put them out there. And we would love to hear you weigh in on Facebook uh, and uh, give us your thoughts about what's happening in the Duneverse and what you would like to hear us talk about in uh, the upcoming shows. Because we have this is the year to make Dune happen. <laughs> That's right. Complete with sound effects from David. <laughs> um, so IndieWire put out the story where Rebecca Ferguson teases her Dune character. She's the best fighter there is. She, of course, is playing Jessica. And um, so uh, based on what you know, she makes a comment. This is a comment. This is a quote. Something that uh, 
Dennis said, uh, the writers are really taking into consideration this book was written back in the day when women were portrayed differently than what we're expecting nowadays, which we call gender equality. Um, and she said, um, even though Jess, Lady Jessica is a concubine to the king, she's also his bodyguard, his mentor, and she can read thought and emotion, and she's the best fighting fighter there is. Yeah, I think this is something that, that we haven't seen portrayed uh, uh, maybe in the miniseries a little bit, but almost more through Alia than, than Jessica. And well, I guess I, no, in Children of Dune, you see it. Um, and that whole like Prana Bindu, um, super fast reaction time type thing. And like, um, especially how teaching that to the Fremen kind of changed their tactics up when Paul, Paul starts teaching them that kind of thing. So I think it's great that there that she is emphasizing that side of Lady Jessica that we haven't necessarily had uh, uh, super strongly represented. Right. Well, it's one of the things that uh, didn't Frank Herbert get faulted on portrayal or lack of portrayal of strong women. I, I thought somewhere along the way we had discussed. Maybe, but I thought I always thought it was full of them. Well, me too. Me yeah. too. But I think maybe the book, maybe the book Dune itself. Oh, and, okay. But yeah. what are your thoughts on this, uh, Mr. Jim? Oh, I don't really have any. All right. All right. <laughs> He's, I'm just waiting for the film. <laughs> True. Jim says if he come talk to him when the lady takes up the loot. That's, that's right. That's equality. It that's is. the equality he wants. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's very true. Very true. You know, <laughs> speaking of relevant, Oscar Isaac, who, of course, it was in Rise of Skywalker's Poe Dameron. And he, of course, is playing. Who is he playing? Um, uh, Isaac. He's a Duke, Leto Atreides. So, obviously, big fills, uh, shoes to fill, right? Yeah. Um, but he said he says this about the movie when he was he was being interviewed by Entertainment Weekly. He said it's just a wholly different thing. Said Isaac. Um, I couldn't imagine anyone more suited for the tone of the original Frank Herbert novels than Dennis. Uh, there's are some of the things are that are for the lack of a better word, nightmarish about what you see. There's just kind of this brutalistic element to it. It's shocking. It's scary. It's very visceral. And I know that definitely between uh, Dennis and myself and Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson as a family unit, we really search for the emotion of it. I'm beyond myself with excitement. I think it's a good to feel cool, unique, and special. Oh, there you go. So that's his thoughts on it. I I I hope it falls true. You know, we we have a thing we always talk about on on the Pen Cinema podcast about this these kind of interviews, and it's like these people are never going to say negative things about well, right. about the I movies. Mean, I was just, just going to say that like you're in the movie, you want it to sell well, right? Yeah. You want to, you know, you don't want to be like the movie that was like terrible for your career. So right. of course you're going to speak good things of it, right? Yeah. So I mean, it, <laughs> you hear this, you get excited at the same time. You're like, I mean, what's he going to say? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But uh, as a fan, it makes me excited to hear that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, of course, we have a, an article that came out that kind of supports that, right? Yeah. Dude will be the science fiction film of the decade. Burr, burr, burr. Right. Well, so, again. <laughs> the first, fact, first science fiction film of the decade. Also the technically. Best. <laughs> not really even the first science fiction film of the decade, but 
Um, so what decade are we talking about? We were talking about the uh, 20s here. We're we talking about the teens. I mean, I don't know. Where, yeah. does, that fill, where does that fall in? Uh, but that's quite a bold, yeah, bold statement. Bold statement. Um, How, uh, yeah. What do you yeah. think, Tim? You think it'll think it'll be that that good? Science fiction film of the decade. Uh, well, you know, I I'm telling you, we are talking about a book that was published in in 1965, right? right? Um. It definitely, Dune definitely has a following, but it just depends on how this is marketed and who it is targeted to. Are we trying to get new viewers, new fans for Dune? Are we trying to appeal to those of us who have read the books and enjoyed them a lot? Are we trying to one-up the uh, previous incarnations of dune or what are we you know what what's the purpose i'm expecting i'm expecting a good movie I, i'm cautiously optimistic but sci-fi film of the decade time will tell know. right you know to me to me to me you know best movie ever or something like that I, there are a lot of movies that i really really enjoy and that i think are great to pick one of them as the best, I don't know. I, I think it's might be a bit of hubris to be making a prediction like that. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. I, and I can't agree more. I mean, Dune is so heady and so intellectual. Um, how do you capture that in a modern movie? We don't know. It's not like we go to movies to... Uh, I, I don't want to say that we aren't... We don't want to go to movies. We go to movies and we are challenged by them. But in the way that Dune challenges, I think you're going to sacrifice some of that headiness in the wake of action and intensity. And I don't know that that's bad because if you if you want to keep Dune applicable to a modern audience, you're going to do that. But you certainly won't satisfy uh, Dune purists because it's going to be missing the intellectual debate that ha that surrounds much of the content. Of you know, I, I think I, I, I get really upset ab about why do you go to the movie? All right. When I go to a movie, I go to be Absolutely. entertained. I go to, to enjoy something. I don't go to the theater to pick something apart. I don't go to the theater theater to look for flaws i don't go to the theater to look for plot holes is it entertaining right. and the the thing is is i don't think everybody does i think the vast majority especially in fandom our fandom they're going to the theater to see how much they can put it down and how funny they think they can be on facebook right. and twitter and I think that is tragic. I mean, you could make the best movie in the world and somebody's going to come and trash it on you. And I just do not care for that kind of fandom. So I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to watch it. If I'm entertained, that's great. If everything in the book isn't in the movies, which it's, it's, there's no way that could possibly be done, I'll enjoy it. If it's like Jupiter ascending, I will get up and walk out. <laughs> <in the first half. laughs>
You know, I, I, and I hear you. I think that the purpose, when I go to movies, I go to be entertained. I don't go to some, to learn some deep history or some deep path. And if I, if I do and I'm entertained along the way, then great. But I don't know that I go expecting this to be doing the novel. Um, and maybe uh, for those of you listening to the show that have gone with us at this journey, as we've read all the novels that are out there, maybe that's uh, a bit problematic because many of us are avid readers and we want, we want our stories to be represented well. And I think that I want Dune to be represented well, but I don't expect it to be the novel at the same time. And, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I like because that. I th- what yeah. you just said. Because I think that uh, at the end of the day, did it engage me? Did it entertain me? Did it, uh, the best movies make me come home afterwards and talk about it, you know, at length with my friends, right? Uh, so if it does mm-hmm. that, then it's accomplished its purpose. And so I don't know that it needs to be the best film of the decade. I hope it's a good film. Obviously, we have a vested interest in Dune. We like Dune. We've chatted with, Fr- I was going to say Frank Herbert, but Brian Herbert. Um, hopefully will again before the movie comes out and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, as long as they put a baby shy loot in there, nah, it's going to be, it's going to be, be great. Baby shy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, see, there's a good, there's a good example of covering your demographic because <laughs> the Mandalorian has everybody covered. Oh, and it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. But again, when you talk Star Wars, you aren't dealing with source material. Really? Mm. I mean, there is, there is just the, the, the movies and uh, the, the movies and the clone wars and rebels and resistance. And some of those, the, the, there is source material, but, but it's not like Dune. Right. You can't really compare the two. Right. Yeah. Um, in it. Oh yeah. gosh, no. So you've well, been counterpointing. Yeah. So counterpoint. Uh, so this was, Dune will be the best film of the decade. And then uh, Looper uh, was predicting the biggest box office bombs of 2020. And on that list, Dune. Dune. So this is what they say. Uh, In 2020, Warner Brothers hopes uh, to mine holiday season box office gold with the adaptation of Frank Herbert's beloved book series, Dune. Dune has sold millions of copies to be the greatest science fiction novel of all time. But all that has very little to do with how successful a film adaptation is particularly during the end of the year. His Dark Materials is a pretty popular fantasy novel series, but The Golden Compass barely broke even in 2007. Mortal Engines sold plenty of books, but the film couldn't sell tickets. And Bomb Big... And do we even need to mention John Carter? Based on Edgar Rice Burroughs' novel series, John Carter Mars, John Carter is one of the biggest bombs ever. For every Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, there are numerous other sci-fi fantasy stories that should have stayed on the printed page. This isn't the first time Dune has been on the big screen either. David Lynch's Dune died a horrible death in 1984, earning $30 million worldwide against a $40 million budget. New Dune director uh, uh, Dennis Villanueva's last movie, Blade Runner 2049, tanked in 2017. High-concept sci-fi is always risky, and Dune's box office seemed all but certain to lack spice. So that's... Um, that's Looper's take on it. Biggest box, one of the biggest box office bombs this year. I am concerned about the holiday release date. Some people say that's a sign of 
confidence in the movie. Um, but it's also a, it's also a tough place to put the movie at. Um, I don't know. I, I we were speaking before, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if it bombed purely because of basically what Jim was saying and the culture, the fandom culture that we have now struggles to just enjoy sometimes, especially with as big as a fan base as we have. And I'm not saying people might say, Oh, David's just a fanboy, Like he's not going to see anything wrong. I'm clearly going to see things wrong with this movie. <laughs> like I can tell you right now that I'm going to have issues, but I, I, I'm already prepared to just try and enjoy an attempt at putting this into a visual medium uh, so that not only can I enjoy it in a condensed form, but other people can enjoy it in a condensed form. So here are the movies that maybe I'm missing some movies that are releasing in December of 2020 that it would be coming up against. You've Dune, Uncharted, Coming to America 2, West Side Story, and The Croods 2. So those are the, uh, at least according to CinemaLand, those are the ones that are releasing. So it doesn't seem to have a ton of huge competition. Right. No. And maybe that's why they pushed it, because originally it was a November, right? Yep. It was set to come out at my birthday. I can see the studios pushing more into that, se- into that release season by just by virtue that there there really isn't a heck of a lot i mean there's a lot there's a lot of movies but there's only one i'm gonna see right Right. west side story (laughs) when you're a jet you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day would somebody please explain to me why it is necessary to remake West Side Story? i don't know i think that's a that's a product of the time like what are you gonna do like Make it really guttural and dark and gang violence in like uh, you Detroit. Change, you change it up and you make it, you know, with rappers and oh yeah, Eminem. Well, yeah. Eminem certainly has his feuds going on yeah. any of these days, so you certainly do that. And I guarantee you, I won't go anywhere. Well, near see, it. because it's a retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, maybe. Then they should take West Side Story off of the title because there is only one West Side Story. Music by Leonard Bernstein, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. It was perfect. There's no need to remake it. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to do that. I think if you're going, I think if you are going to remake mm-hmm. it, you're going to remake it into a way that appeals to today's audience. And you can't use the same music. Well, no. Of course Unless not. you recreate the lyrics and like rap or something. But. Anyways, they're kind of off topic and that, here. But that would that would even yeah, be kind worse. of off topic. But uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I compl- well, let me weigh in here. I completely disagree with uh, with that person's assessment that it's going to be the biggest box office bomb. I think there are enough of us Dune fans that are gonna that are gonna go see it, and they're gonna bring people along with them. To, you know what's this dune about you know like like david is going to drag Penn yeah. yep into into the theater kicking and screaming because david's been trying to get this dude to read the book now for i don't know how yeah, many almost months. a year 
and he keeps he keeps dodging it on I you, know. there, David. And it's like I, when I'm listening to when I'm listening to Penn Cinema pro- podcast, I'm just screaming at my radio. Will you just please read the freaking <laughs> book? <laughs> oh, I, I hit that wall so much. I, yeah, I'm just like. You can you can tell him from his manager at the future Penn Cinema West here in Nebraska. Read the freaking book. <laughs> Let him know. <laughs> well, you know, if you think about it, I mean, Dune has sold over twenty million books, twenty million copies over the yeah. years, right? If each, if let's say each yeah. of those, that, let's say that represents twenty million people. Now I know that it doesn't because people own mo- multiple copies. And David's bought <laughs> exactly seriously. But but if you, you know, what's the price of a theater ticket, right? And you think about what they bring in, let's say $10 on the cheap end, right? That's $200 million right off the bat. Yeah. So I don't know how much this movie's to eat. So it's, I would say it's bound to break even. Um, I'm just not sure what's going to relegate it to being a success. One thing to keep in mind is that it may bomb in America, but I think it's going to explode in other countries. Overseas, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, oh, even yeah. us just here at this yeah. podcast based in America, our fan base is largely European. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, and I'll tell I'll I'll tell you something else. This is now we we have two Dune movies coming out. Right? That's my understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just one. I mean, I'm but pretty two. sure they filmed both of them. Correct. Uh, I thought they were filmed together. I yes, but then I saw notes that suggested not the case. So okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. So our okay. listeners can let us know: Did they film these two together or not? Because I don't. Um... Yeah. Well, the the success of the second movie is going to depend a great deal on the success of the first oh, yes. movie, um, and how well it's done. And these guys know it. And you know, the Hollywood people are very, very sharp. The bottom line is, they. I really don't think they're always very concerned about making a good movie they're always very concerned about making lots of money (laughs) yeah you know and if if a good movie is going to make lots of money they're going to make a good movie Uh, all all the notes online just say that they've taken a step forward because remember the the lead runner of the uh bene gesserit uh series on hbo left to begin work on the second movie. Okay. So right. That's that that's like that's a report. So it sounds like that has not been made yet. Okay. So all right. But who knows? Who knows where they'll be at that point if they are greenlit for a second movie. And we say second movie and they they're splitting doing up into two. I think so. Yeah. That was my understanding. Well and if they are confident enough to start filming a second movie, then that kind of tells me that the first movie may be something that's going to be really good and special and something that I want to see. Yeah. All righty. Well, let's move on to our, our last topic here. And that is the new Dune game, which is, Board game. is yeah. just a re updating of the original one from what I understand. Yes. So yeah. now I have yet to pick this up. Scott has it open. It is yet to play it. But just like the evolutionary tree, the next step would be someone who played it, and that is the Loot Master Jim. Absolutely. So, Jim, yeah. tell us about this book. That would be this me. Game. Well, I received it on Christmas morning, and I was I was very happy when I opened it up to look at it. And as soon as all the festivities were over on 
uh, on Christmas morning, I got on YouTube and started looking up videos on how to play this. So first of all, look up videos to help you learn through this because there is one heck of a learning curve <laughs> to this game. Okay. First of all, there is a whole bunch of pieces in, in the box, a lot of different pieces. There's tokens for all different kinds of things, okay? Um, one, one of the videos I saw, the person suggested reading about the first one half of the book in order to get a better understanding of, of what's going on. All right. Uh, there are there are several characters that we are familiar with, and then a number of tokens that they're used for generals. And you can choose from uh, being Atreides, Harkonnen, uh, Emperor Shaddam the Fourth, the Bene Gesserit, the Spice, the Spacing Guild, and uh, I think there's one other faction. There's six factions in total, and so got together with my older daughter and my wife, and we sat down, and um, we had watched the videos. Now, the this version that they come out with has a quick start guide. Keep it handy, because there are nine different phases on each turn to go through. Huh. So... Yeah, you have you have the worm movement phase, and then you go through several other. You have the battle phase. You have the collect your spice phase. You have all these different things going on, which which kind of helps it a lot to be better understood. Um, each of your characters have different traits and different characteristics, and this is what makes the game difficult: is learning. For instance, I played Atreides. And one of the abilities that that I had as Atreides was prescience, uh, limited prescience. So if I was doing battle with another character, I could actually make them reveal one part of their battle plan. Oh, so that I could adapt. So I could adapt to it. That's cool. That is so. Uh, it is, but you got to remember to use it which I didn't, which cost me to lose the game two times in a <laughs> row because I kept forgetting because my uh, players wound up in the axolotl tanks. <laughs> okay. The the board is built uh, in sectors and in territories. So you have two things to watch out for. One thing you got to watch out for is a Coriolis storm that is continually going around the board. And if you are caught out on the open desert, uh, everything in a sector where the storm is, everything that the storm sweeps through kills everything, buries the spice, and you basically you can get yourself beat just by having oh, wow. that happen. Yeah, there's open desert, there are rock areas, and then there are the strongholds. As long as you're there, you're safe. Okay. Um, you, you can form alliances with other players and gang up on somebody. And that's, that's a neat feature that we didn't actually use last night because there was only three of us playing it. Um, I would say probably if you have four 
players, you're going to you're going to have a really good game. If you have three uh, three players or less, three or two players and someone is a Harkonnen's, forget it, you're going <laughs> to lose. Wow. Yeah, cuz the Harkonnen's are very aggressive about uh winning the game, which if you control three strongholds, uh you win. And it's not hard to control these areas, as far as I can tell. Huh. So, uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy losing. I never do. But um, I can see the potential in it. Now, we played the basic game just to learn how to, how to move around the board and how things work. There are two uh, advanced modes to the game, which we didn't even bother looking at. Because, uh, well, there just wasn't time for one thing. And uh, it says on the box, a game will last two hours plus. In two hours, well, I guess if you started setting it up, because there's a lot of things you have to set up and get ready to go. But uh, the games didn't last more than about a half hour, either one we played. Interesting. Well, I guess with more more people in the phases, it would take longer if you had a that's true a full board of, true. of people. Oh, if you have six people, you have easily a three hour game. Very good because because everybody's got to go through each step, and uh, especially in the battle phase, because as soon as you get two people in the same territory, there is going to be a fight, right. and. They don't last very long, but you've got you've got cards to bid on. You've got all different kinds of things that are going on in this game. And uh, oh, the faction I forgot was the Benny Gesserit. Oh yeah, which they have a real interesting thing where they can actually predict when the game is going to end, what round, and who's going to win. <laughs> wow. How does that work? Yeah. Uh, we didn't play that that aspect of it, but they cover that in, in the videos on huh. YouTube. And, and as I said, watch the videos before you play the game. It, it'll help a great deal. So what deal. I'm getting from you is that this that you enjoyed it, correct? Fun? Yeah. Yes, I, I, uh, I but did. But it's not for... A super super casual fan base, like you would, or, or a board gamer, you would need a, someone who's ready to play a more advanced game. Yeah, I, I think it 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 would be for so for a serious gamer. I, I it's not a casual casual game right. at all. Got a got a big and not a way to introduce someone to do. No, no, uh, and the other question I had for you, Jim, is it. Is it somewhere where as you're taking turns, you find yourself waiting on the next person or are you always engaged with what's happening? Like some of these turn-based games where you're going through the different phases, if I do my turn and then bounces off to David, I'm waiting for like 10, 15 minutes till it's my turn again. Are you finding that with this game? Uh, well, not really with just three of us playing, but see, there's a lot of planning and advanced strategy you want to do. Uh. And you never know what's going to happen because you don't know where a spice blow is going to happen. It may happen in, in a territory you're in. It may happen clear across the map. Um, and moving there, moving there is difficult. 
um, if if um, unless you uh, unless you you have certain conditions, of course. So yeah, you're you're kind of planning and strategizing and watching what your opponents are doing. I, if you take your attention off of what's happening in the game, you're going to get beat. So your head has to be in the game all the time. And then, of course, there you have to watch out for Shai Halud. Because I had I had like seven armies completely wiped out by Shai Halud. <laughs> hmm. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing, Jim. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome to get a, actually an insider's perspective as to someone who's played the game. Yeah. And not only just looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> or thought about buying it. Oh, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Well, you know, the game was issued, I can't remember what year it was. David, do you know, wasn't it like 72 yeah, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, before the movie, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long, long time, and then it just kind of disappeared. Uh, the, the copyright and everything went out, and it just came back here recently. The so artwork is fantastic. The, it, yeah. My understanding is that the the game has a huge following already and I mean a cult following where there are people that have been playing this game for years. Yeah, when I was so, at PAX Unplugged, a ton of people playing the game, a ton of people. So uh, it must be, I mean, yeah. for the amount of people that I saw trying to tackle it, it must at least be, uh, you know, pretty fun for those who get into it. So, uh, or you wouldn't have oh, seen yeah. that many people. And there's, there's not there's not a lot of fancy fancy pieces or parts to it. There's you know, um, I haven't even seen any accessories to go with it yet. Uh, but you know, it, it's pretty basic the way it is. They they I think they've tried to keep the price down on it so that anybody can yeah. afford it. It's reasonable for the type of game and and the longevity of each round and everything. It seems pretty reasonable for a board game, fifty bucks ish. Yes. So. So cool. All right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I think that's a good uh, show. Just catching up on some Dune yeah. and uh, the game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. just a reminder: if you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail dot com. Of course, we're also on Facebook. If you do a little search for Dune Saga Podcast, uh, we want to thank everyone who continues to listen and support us, uh, whether it be Patreon or through uh, comments or. Uh, ratings on iTunes. Absolutely. Uh, thanks very much for that. Um, so, once again, for the Dune Soccer Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Hulu clear the path before you.